Section 96 of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Poles. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume 8, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Poles, edited by Eva March Tappan, Section 96, 1500 Miles of Floating Ice, 1871-1872, by Hans Hendrik. Hans Hendrik, the author of the following narrative, was a native Greenlander. He became a member of four Arctic expeditions, under Kane, Hayes, Hall, and Nars, respectively. It was during the expedition under Hall that the events occurred which are here narrated. Before the Polaris had been at sea five months, Captain Hall died. Soon the ship was caught in the ice, and so terribly shattered by a storm that all expected her to go to the bottom at the next split. The only thing to do was to put as much of the stores as possible on the ice floe, in the hope that it would hold together until its occupants could be rescued. When nineteen persons were on the ice, a sudden split came, and they were separated from the ship. Then occurred the marvellous voyage of fifteen hundred miles, which is so graphically described by the Greenlander. Contrary to the expectation of all, the men on the Polaris managed to keep her afloat, and finally to bring her near the shore. During the winter they succeeded in making two boats with timber from the vessel. When summer had come, they sailed away in these towards the south, and were rescued by a whaler. The Editor After two days we stuck in the pack, and were brought down with it towards the south. While thus we were blocked, my comrade and I caught seals every day, and then began collecting a store of unskinned seals. At the same time, while the ship rested immovable, they put up a tent on the ice and filled it with bread. When we were off Cap Alikisat, a gale sprang up from the south. It was a pitch-dark night, when the ice began moving northward, and the floes were jammed and pushed over each other. At last our ship began to crack terribly from their pressure. I thought she would be crushed. On perceiving this, we brought our wives and children down upon the ice, and hurried to fetch all our little luggage, and remove the hull to a short distance from the ship. Then the ice broke up close to the vessel, and her cables broke. But in the awful darkness we could only just hear the voices on board, and when the craft was going adrift, we believed she was on the point of sinking. Here we were left, ten men, our wives and children, and the Tulloks, English or Americans, making nineteen in all, and having two boats, no boat remaining with the ship. When the others drifted from us, we thought they had gone to the bottom, while we ourselves were in the most miserable state of sadness and tears. But especially I pitied my poor little wife and her children in the terrible snowstorm. I began thinking, Have I searched for this myself, brought this upon myself by travelling to the north? But no, we have a merciful providence to watch over us. At length our children fell asleep, 
while we covered them with ox hides in the frightful snowdrift. At dawn, our commander Tasta said he would make for the land with the men as soon as their meal was done. When they had cooked and got their breakfasts, they set off towards an island called Piculek, but before they could reach the shore, they were stopped by new ice. About this time we sighted the ship, which was approaching us to our great joy. They steamed on, and I believed they would have observed us, but suddenly they turned, a heavy squall from the north coming on at the same time. When our Tuluk companions were going to make for the land, they asked us to follow them, but my comrade and I preferred to stay behind, knowing that they could not get to shore. The cook also kept us company, saying that he found it pitiful to abandon us. Those who tried to land returned after a while, not having succeeded. The north wind blew furiously, and the heavy seas threw us towards the westland. Suddenly the ice on which we dwelt parted, and we were separated from the tent which contained our store of bread. When the ice touched the westland it stopped, and packed together all round us. Here we made a snow hut. My comrade went out sledging, and how lucky he caught sight of the tent. Directly we started dragging a boat to fetch some bread. At the tent we filled the boat with bread, and drew it over the ice to our camping place. When we left our wives and children I was afraid a bear would devour them. Now I was consoled to see them unhurt, and after our arrival we had a good meal. Since we left the ship, this was the first time we ate sufficiently. The following day we deliberated whether we should remove to the floe where stood the tent, as it was very large and might serve us for an island during the winter. We resolved to proceed, and first brought thither one of the boats, loaded with bread and luggage, whereupon we filled the other in the same way. My wife and daughter loaded the sledge with our little properties and pulled it, my wife carrying the baby in her hood. Our son was seven years of age, our youngest daughter four, and these poor things walked over the rough ice, my wife and daughter pulling the sledge, and I assisting those who dragged the boat, a sad sight. When they were going to be left behind, I told my wife I should return to her. When we had brought the boat to our new camping place, I went back, followed by one of the sailors, and finding my little daughter Sophie Elizabeth very tired, we placed her on the sledge, and more men came to help us. When we had finished our removal, we turned the boat over, I and my family going to sleep under it, while the Tuluks were lodged in the tent, and the Westlanders made a snow hut for themselves. The next day we built a snow hut in the middle of the ice floe. Fancy, this was to be our settlement for the whole winter. One day we rested, then my comrade and I went out sledging towards the land. On approaching it we fell in with new ice. I remained to look for breathing holes, while my comrade proceeded towards the shore. I found some holes and heard the sound of breathing, but as the ice was covered with snow I could not get at the seals, which were scared by the noise. My comrade had been on shore and told me he had seen footprints of hares and foxes. When we returned, we made up our minds to remove to the land the following day. We also drove in another direction, 
but without discovering anything. Next morning we tried to go shorewards, but our island, the ice floe, began moving. It drifted seawards, consequently we turned back, and now we continued to be carried off incessantly, in a southern direction, throughout the winter. After some time we caught sight of land, and by and by lost it again. Every day, my dear comrade, the Westlander John, and I went out hunting. In this way once we succeeded in getting a seal. What a joy when we had a meal of flesh, and our lamps became supplied with blubber. Afterwards I again got a seal, a small one. I killed it at one shot. Wonderful indeed, that we were so blessed with seals for our support, and that we so continued the whole winter. Once, when we were out shooting, I fell through, having both legs under water. My comrade asked, Are thou wet? I answered, No, I did not get wet. When we had tried shooting, we returned, but quite near to our encampment, a strong northern gale suddenly overtook us, and made both of us lose our way. The snow drifted terribly. As I was tired with walking, I stopped. Looking up towards the sky, I perceived many stars. Thereupon I proceeded, but came to a broad crack, and on going back I fell in with the open sea. Now I thought my last day was come. I considered the miserable position of my dear wife and children on a piece of ice in mid-ocean. Then I pronounced my prayer. Jesus, lead me by the hand, while I am here below, forsake me not. If thou dost not abide with me, I shall fall, but near to thee I am safe. When I had finished these words, I ascended a heap of ice blocks, and discovered a star rising a little above the surface of the ice. But it was my comrade who had lighted a torch, and pointed it all round from the highest part of the uneven ice. I went down in the direction of what I saw, but on my road I again fell in with a fissure turned and went on, but again discovered something like a light. I moved forward examining it, but was again stopped by the break. While here some people were heard approaching, and when they came close they shouted, Are thou hands? I answered, Yes. Whereupon they said, We had nearly fired at thee, believing it was a bear. I answered, Never more I had reason to be thankful to anybody than to you, as I was quite unable to make out whither I had to go. When we came home, I found my wife and children had been most sorrowful, but I thanked the merciful providence on high. While we drifted in this way throughout the winter, my comrade and I frequently got a seal. Our lamps were never out for want of oil. When sometimes our supply was almost consumed, one of us used to catch. Just before Christmas, each of us took a seal, Christmas. During Jule we finished all the provisions we had, except the bread, but we were consoled by knowing that daylight was near. When the sun reappeared, we fell in with a great many black guillemots. Of course we also availed ourselves of them, as we were well off for guns. I had four myself, namely three rifles and one double-barreled fowling-piece, and we had plenty of shot. These articles I and my comrade John had taken care to provide ourselves with when we left the ship. At first we only threw them down upon ice, then we brought them some distance from the ship. We could therefore afford to shoot guillemots. 
Although the sun again shone, no land could be seen, and it was truly appalling to think that our Tuluk companions and our wives and children would probably starve. However, we were taken care of by Providence, and the whole winter were supplied with seals. While still we lived on our island of ice, we fell in with bladder-nose and saddleback seals, and they gave us a good supply of food. As we advanced far south, we had a heavy swell, and in a pitch-dark night, the flow, our refuge, split in two. At length, the whole of it was broken up all around our snow-huts. When we rose in the morning and I went outside, the sea had gone down, and the ice upon which stood our house had dwindled down to a little round piece. Wonderful! There must be an all-merciful father. Some days after, when we had gone to sleep, we heard a gun fired. I went out and saw that a bear had been hit and had fallen. My comrade exclaimed, We have got a big bear, how cheerful! We shall now have bear's flesh. When we came still farther south, the ice appeared more dispersed, and at last we made up our minds to go in search of land, although none at all was in sight. At the same time we again met the heavy swell. We started in the boat, which was heavily laden. For some days we pushed on pretty well. When the seas came rolling they looked as if they were going to swallow us up, for which reason, at intervals, we landed on ice floes. At length we made out land. Again we rested upon a piece of ice. During the night a heavy sea came on. We slept with our children in the boat, while the others used the tent. As the sea rose still higher, it began washing over our place of sojourn. They were obliged to remove the tent, placing it upon the top of an ice hillock, whereupon all of us had to keep hold of the boat. The children were placed in it. The women assisted us. When the sea began to move the boat, we all kept hold of the gunwales. The breakers looked as if they would engulf us. We exerted ourselves to the utmost each time, when the sea began lifting us, whereas when it retired we pushed the boat to remove it to windward, because there was a danger of our being washed down into the sea to leeward. We did not stop until we had brought the skiff close to the edge of the ice. But now the sea reached the tent which was placed on the hillock. To be sure, it was awful. Whenever the waves washed over us, we were in water up to the waist, while at the same time we clung to the gunwale, and all the while one heard nothing but exclamations. Now use all your strength. Towards morning the sea had abated, and when it grew light, we discovered that some smaller floes were less exposed to the swell. I spoke with my comrade about removing to one of these, and our commander Tarsta agreed. We put the boat into the water, loaded it, and went to a smaller ice floe, which we found much better, as it was not washed over. As the sea grew calmer, we pushed on. Seals were plentiful. We had no want of meat, and we used to take our rest on the floes. One night it happened that the ice which served us for our camping place parted between the boat on which I slept and the tent. I jumped out to the other side, while that piece on which the boat was placed moved off quickly with Mr. Mage, who was seated in the boat, and we were separated from it by the water. Our master asked the sailors to make a boat 
raft out of a piece of ice and try to reach it, but they refused. We never had felt so distressed as at this moment when we had lost our boat. At last I said to my comrade, however we must try to get at it. Each of us then formed an umyard look, literally a bad boat, out of a piece of ice, and in this way we passed to other fragment. As now we were three men, we could manage to put the boat into the water. But when, on doing so, it sank forward, Mr. Mage fell into the sea. My comrade jumped into the boat at the same moment and pulled him up. I, being unable to follow, remained standing on the ice. When they had taken me along with them, we proceeded towards the others, but meanwhile the ice had screwed together and we stood still. We three men alone then hauled up the boat. At this time night fell, and our companions who had been in the sea and now was lying in the boat was like to freeze to death. I said to my comrade that if he remained so he would really die. If he could walk about it would be better. I had witnessed such a case before. When I had spoken thus, we asked him to rise, saying that if he remained, he would perish. The first time he rose, he tumbled down, but after having walked for a long time, he recovered. At daybreak, we discovered our friends close by, and the ice joined together. When first they had examined the road, they came to us and assisted us to drag the boat over to them. When we had started from this place, we were soon stopped by the pack and no live thing was to be seen. We began to be in need of provisions. We had no seal flesh left, and the next day our small stock of bread was to be shared out. In the night I had just fallen asleep, as I was to have my turn of the watch, when I was wakened by hearing people speaking about a bear. Rising up I saw a bear walking towards us. I said to the others that they must lie down near the boat, imitating seals, while my comrade and I went towards the bear, who alternately sank and reappeared behind the ice hillocks. We waited until he came close up to us, whereupon my comrade gave him a shot, and I finished him off. Thereupon the others joined us to drag him to the boat. How wonderfully did Providence bring us through the winter and give us supplies! At length we were off the remotest part of the Westland, whither the ice had brought us since last year. We left the ship in the far north. We were now near the country of the Tuluks, without having suffered any real misfortune. Before we had finished the last of our bear's flesh, the field opened, and we began catching seals, and sighted land, and when we proceeded towards it we fell in with the ship. Once in the afternoon, while still making for the land, we discovered a vessel steaming northwards. We tried to follow it, but night fell, and we stopped at the ice. At the same time, there rose a dense mist. During the night we showed two lights near the boat, making them pretty large, that people on board might observe us. After midnight I went to sleep when the others had risen. Towards morning I was awakened by hearing them talking about a ship, and when I got up I saw it emerging from the fog. I directly set off in my kayak, and when I came to them they questioned me, Who are ye? I answered, North Pole and Mutpolaris, Babelis, peoples. Then furthermore they asked, How do you do? I answered, Captain Old died, Captain Hall died, 
Whereupon they said, Where's the ship? I answered, Last year we left it. On hearing this, they said to me, Just follow a little alongside the ship. We will soon stop her. When we had come up to my companions, they lay to, to take them on board. I was the first who set foot on deck, then followed the others, and when all had come on board, it was as if we were ashore. The master of the ship and the crew altogether were exceedingly kind to us, and pitied us, who had spent the whole winter with our little children on a piece of ice. They gave us tobacco and pipes, and before all, a good meal. Their master, from mere kindness, was like a kinsman to us. End of section 96. 